Well, uh, I trust you had a Merry Christmas. Jill and I uh, did. We celebrated with our oldest daughter and her husband who are here from Arizona and our three grandsons. And our house has been a little louder, a little messier, a little crazier than normal the last uh, week or so, but we are loving having them here, and they are just really glad to be here in our weather rather than the 70-degree weather that they would normally be in at home, and so they're enjoying that. But, you know, it seems incredible that Christmas has been over for nearly a week, and Christmas time is a really special time of the year but it's also a weird time. I mean, it's really weird. Think about it. What other time of the year do you sit in your living room and stare at a dead tree or a fake tree while eating candy out of your socks? It's pretty weird. And what other time of year do small children hope They actually hope someone will sneak into their house and eat their cookies while they're asleep. It is a strange time of the year, but Christmas is over. And some of you, honestly, you're really glad about that. You're really glad about that because this has not been a happy time of year for you. And I mean, maybe it was your first Christmas since the death of a loved one or since the divorce. And you're just really glad to have survived the season. Or maybe the holidays for you is a stressful time because of ongoing stress and conflict within your family or because of the strain that it puts on your finances. And so some are relieved that Christmas is over, but others are grieving the fact that it's over. They're really sad. And... um, In fact, some are in denial that Christmas is over. They're still playing Christmas music. They're still watching Christmas movies at their house. And they have been shopping the last few days to see what decorations they can get for next year while they're on sale. And they may even be baking that last batch of Christmas cookies. So for both groups, being... Uh, Christmas being over can be overwhelming. I mean, for the, ma- for the past month, people have been friendly. People have been polite. They've been happy. They've been smiling at each other. And now the rudeness returns. Everyone is returning to their normal routines and rushing past people rather than smiling at them. And have you noticed last week those decorations in your house, they were just beautiful. The decorations in your house, they were breathtakingly beautiful. And today you look at them and they just look like a lot of work. Because you got to take them all down and box them up again and put them in the attic or wherever you store yours. Now, I do remember one year when we lived in California, I kept delaying taking the Christmas lights off the house. I mean, I really delayed taking those lights off the house. And I looked pretty stupid in July when they were still up. But in early November, when they were still up, I looked like a genius. You know, all I had to do was plug them in and they were ready to go. But you know, the truth is nothing seems to go away as quickly as the Christmas spirit. The red and the green of 
Christmas quickly seems to fade and return into the gray and mundane of everyday life. And we seem to pack away the spirit of Christmas with the Christmas decorations. It seems like we just kind of shut off a switch. But here's my question. Does it have to be that way? Does it have to be that way? I mean, can't we keep the spirit of Christmas all year long? So how has your week been since Christmas? How have you spent your week since Christmas? And while you're thinking about that, have you ever wondered what the week after Christmas was like for Mary and Joseph? Have you ever think, thought what the week after Christmas was like for the shepherds? I mean, we celebrate Christmas every year and we talk about how there was no room in the inn for Mary and Joseph. And we talk about his birth in a stable and we talk about the shepherds coming and uh, seeing him. But often we never really turn the page. We never really read the next chapter. So this year, before we finish our socks and underwear series, before we start a new year, let's take time to look at what happens next. Let's look at the next chapter. And Luke chapter 2 gives us some information on that. I'll start with verse 15. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing uh, that has happened which the Lord has told us about and they hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph and there was the baby lying in the manger and after seeing him the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child and all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often the shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So these verses give us a few snapshots, if you will, of what happened after Christmas uh, to the shepherds and uh, for Mary and Joseph. And from these verses, we can find some ways to keep the Christmas spirit alive all year long. And I'm hoping that this advice will help each one of us to grow dramatically in our relationship with Jesus in the coming year. Who knows, maybe the points of this message might even be good New Year resolutions for each of us. The first suggestion I have for you is this, keep Jesus with your socks and underwear. Keep Jesus with your socks and underwear. Now that might sound sacrilegious, but Jesus belongs with your socks and your underwear. You know why? You know what I did today? You know what I do most days when I woke up? Today, I woke up and I took a shower. You're welcome. And then I opened my socks and underwear drawers. Just like I do Every day, I open those drawers every day. I open them on holidays and normal days. I open them on exciting days and on boring days. I open them on snowy days and sunny days. And the reason I open those drawers every day is because in those drawers is something that I need every day. And I need Jesus every day. Jesus is something that I need 
every day. Jesus is not just for holidays. He's not just for weekends. He's not just God on special occasions. He is God every day. He's God on Christmas Day and on the day after. He's God when you're at work and he's God when you're at church. He is God when you're with your friends, your Christian friends and your non-Christian friends. And he's God on Sunday, but he's also God Monday through Saturday. He is God when you're brushing your teeth. He's God when you're doing laundry. And he's God when you're putting on your socks and your underwear. You see, he is God every day and in every circumstance. And so we need to keep Jesus with our socks and our underwear. We need to make him an everyday thing. And that's what the shepherds did. Did you notice where they were the week after Christmas? Look at verse 20. The shepherds went back to their flocks glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen it was just as the angel had told them now they were praising God they were glorifying God because God had kept his promise everything that the angels had said would happen had happened and everything that God had promised because God had been promising to send this Messiah for generations that had happened too and so they were praising God but they went back to their flocks They went back to their job, and it must have seemed weird to them to do that. It must have seemed very strange. I mean, think about it from their perspective. Their lives had been changed forever. They had met the Messiah. They had met the rescuer that God had promised to send generations before, centuries before. And angels had talked to them. They had had a conversation with angels. So what they do after Christmas was over? I mean, do they go on the talk shows and, you know, tell everybody their stories? Do they suddenly market themselves as experts who can spend all their time talking about the baby Messiah and what it sounds like when angels talk to you? No, they didn't do that. Very simply, they went back to their lives. They just went back to their lives. They were back in the field with their sheep, fulfilling their responsibilities. And a similar thing happened with Mary and Joseph. You know what they were doing the week after Christmas? They were being parents. They were taking care of their baby. And for those of you who are parents, do any other parents remember bringing home your baby? You remember bringing home your baby and you're sitting in awe of the fact that you are a parent. And there's that silly grin on your face that you just can't seem to stop grinning. And you spend hours staring at those tiny toes and that little face and knowing that your baby was the most beautiful baby on the entire face of the earth. Do you remember that? I do. But now, how long did that last? Think about that. I mean, for some, it went away at 2 a.m. one morning when that cute little baby just wouldn't let you put them down without starting to scream all over again. For others of you, it went away with that horrible, horrible diaper. You know the one I'm talking about. You've got one in mind, and so do I, but... Just because we remember it does not mean we need to tell each other the story of it, okay? We do not have to go into that story later today, just saying. 
You see, while we always love our kids, it happens to all of us at some point, reality sets in and we realize being parents is a huge, daunting responsibility. And it requires work every day at all hours of the day without much appreciation and without much of a break. And that's where Mary and Joseph were the week after Christmas. That's what they were experiencing. Mary was busy being a mom. Joseph was busy being a dad. And think about it. They didn't have some of the things we have had. They didn't have disposable diapers and baby seats and baby swings and bottle warmers or even disposable diaper wipes. You see, it was only Christmas one day. And then everything went back to normal life and they brought Jesus into their everyday life they brought this new truth into their old lives and that's exactly what we're supposed to do with Jesus we bring his truth into our everyday life you see when Jesus comes to us he doesn't just change our life he changes our living he changes how we do life and Mary and Joseph and the shepherds went back to living their everyday life the week after Christmas just like we do after Christmas uh, our lives just go back to normal we go back to work and our kids go back to school some of you are saying praise the Lord I can't wait for that to happen the decorations go back in the box and when that happens what will you do with Jesus what will you do with Jesus? What will you do with the Christmas spirit, which is really just the spirit of Christ? What will you do with that? And I believe the real problem isn't that Christmas ends. It's that many people put Christ away with Christmas. They just push Jesus aside with Christmas. You see, we don't keep Jesus where he belongs. And Jesus belongs with our socks and underwear. He belongs in our everyday life because we need him every day. We need him every day. And God calls us to go back to our everyday life. So keep Jesus with you. Don't pack him away. For Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds, Christ's coming didn't change their circumstances or their responsibilities. It changed them. It didn't change their circumstances or their responsibilities. It changed them. And so in 2018, what if Jesus really was a part of your everyday life and my everyday life? What if you let him change you? What if this is the year that you gave more attention to your relationship with Jesus than any other year so far in your life? What if everyone in this room took serious, uh, got serious about identifying their next step and taking that next step you know that we all have a next step spiritually it doesn't matter whether you wandered in here and you're not sure you believe any of this or whether you've been a Christian for 50 years we all have a next step to take in our spiritual journey and so what if we all identified that next step and decided to take that step this year I mean your step might be going to church most every week it might be forgiving someone it might be reading your Bible and praying more. It might be fixing your finances. It might be getting into a group. It might be giving or serving or counseling or baptism or any other number of things. 
But what if we all carried Jesus into our everyday life and let him help us take that next step with him? So let's decide right now that we will keep Jesus with our socks and underwear, that we will make him a part of our everyday life this year. In other words, go back to your life, but go back to your life changed. Decide that the new year will be the year where you will be different, the year where you will allow Jesus to influence and affect your life every day. The second suggestion I have for you is don't rush past important moments. Don't rush past important moments. Again, Mary is a mom the week after Christmas, and it's magical, and it's awesome, and then it's very real. I mean, she is in a stable full of livestock and filth, and there is no sanitizer. I mean, that's where she's at. And she suddenly has this group of shepherds just kind of show up. And shepherds are not known for being polite. Shepherds were not known for being especially sensitive. And they aren't known for their personal hygiene. And they show up unannounced for a visit to this brand new mom who has given birth very recently. And then they want to talk. They want to talk about what's happened to them. And so they begin telling this story of being in the field, watching their sheep, and angels appear, and angels start talking to them, and tell them about the birth of this baby in a stable in Bethlehem, and then look what happens next. Verse 18 and 19, all who heard the shepherd's stories were astonished, but Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. People were astonished by what the shepherds said, but, but Mary, she kept these things in her heart, or it's probably better translated, she treasured all of these things in her heart, and she thought about them often. You see, for Mary and Joseph, the shepherd's story and the very birth of Jesus was a confirmation of their own personal experience with God. You see, angels had spoken to them too. But I'm guessing in the nine months of her pregnancy, in the months where people were whispering about her and maybe shunning her and ridiculing her, I'm guessing somewhere in that time frame, Mary and Joseph began to wonder if they had heard the angel right. They began to wonder if this story was really true. And so the shepherds relate their story, and Mary and Joseph are now sure that they heard it right. They are sure that they are parenting the rescuer that God sent, the Messiah that God had promised. And Mary held or treasured these things in her heart, and she thought about them often. And I'm sure during the rare quiet moment she had as a mom, she had to think about the birth of the Savior and what that would really mean. Max Lucado in his book, God Came Near, gives a list of 25 questions that he would like to ask Mary. Let me share just a few of them with you. He says, one question was, did you feel awkward teaching him how he created the world? 
how did he re respond when he saw other kids giggling during the service at synagogue? Did the thought ever occur to you that the God to whom you were praying was asleep under your own roof? Did you ever try to count the stars with him and succeed? Did you ever think, that's God eating my soup? You see, in some ways, it was different for Mary to be the mother of the rescuer that God had promised to send to earth. But in other ways, it was just the same. It was exhausting work mixed with moments of incredible joy and wonder, just like it is for us as parents today. And Mary was smart enough to notice the special moments and she held on to them. She treasured them and she thought about them often. And I worry that we forget to do that. I worry we forget to do that. We forget that these kids and grandkids will grow up really fast and these moments will be gone. I will turn 59 in a few weeks, but it seems like only a few short days ago that I was 29 years old and had little girls running around my house wanting me to read to them and play with them and have fun with them. But then I blinked and now they're 30. They're in their 30s. And I have some memories that I've treasured in my heart. But I still think I may have rushed by some moments that I should have noticed, that I should have treasured. And here's the truth. Important moments happen every day. Important moments happen every day. And so why don't we all make the decision right now that we're just not going to rush by those moments. Let's decide to treasure them, to pause long enough to notice them and to thank God for those moments. And it's not just with our kids. It's with our spouses, and I want to treasure every moment I have with my wife. I want to treasure every moment I have with my grandkids. I want to treasure every moment I have with my 82-year-old dad, and I want to treasure the moments I have with my good friends. Don't rush past those moments. Pause and enjoy them. Allow yourself to stay awed by the wonder and how wonderful it is to be trusted by God to parent such wonderful, complex children. Stay in awe of how privileged you are to have such good friends and to have others who love you. And don't miss the chance to treasure those moments. You know what? I also don't want to rush past the moment that our church is in right now. I mean, we just moved into this great facility as a church and we are seeing the vision that God gave to us several years ago begin to be carried out as dozens of families came through here in the last few days just to hang out and let their kids play. I, I'm told we had nine first-time kids in our children's ministry last night, kids who had been brought here by their parents just to hang out and play. Hundreds were here for the concert that we have Wednesday night. And, you know, it'd be really easy for me to focus on the things that still need to be done, and there's a lot of them. It'd be easy for me to focus on the few things that could be done differently or could be done better, but I'm trying to treasure these moments. Just trying to treasure these moments to walk through this building slowly and to celebrate what God is doing as we let him love us and love others through us.
I'm trying to allow myself to be awed by the fact that this place is bigger and better than even I imagined it would be. So after Christmas, we can spend 2018 slowing down long enough to really treasure the important moments. The last suggestion comes from what the shepherds did after Jesus was born. Let's use 2018 to spread the word about Jesus. That's what the shepherds did. Look at uh, Luke 2 verses 17 and 18. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Each of us know people. We have people in our line of sight, people in our life who need Jesus every day just like we do. They need to keep Jesus with their socks and underwear. And if you're like me, you have seen a friend express a hurt on social media or in person and you know that Jesus could give them comfort, that Jesus could give them strength. You know that if they were doing things in their life Jesus's way, their life would be better, their life would be happier And yet we're reluctant to spread the word about Jesus. We're worried that we'll say something wrong or that we will offend them in some way or that we'll push them away. And let's admit it, most of us as followers of Jesus are scared to death to talk about Jesus. But you know what I've noticed? I've noticed that isn't true in all circumstances. I've been on several missions trips with many people, people who normally are really shy, who have never really shared their faith and They get on a mission trip and they're a totally different person. I think of one girl from this church in particular. Her name's Maggie. And here, she was always shy and she was always quiet and she's always an introvert. But she went with us on a missions trip to Haiti a few years ago. And while we were on the missions trip, we were told we were all going to do a devotion. And I expected her to refuse. I even kind of thought through a devotion I could do when it was her turn because I did not think that Maggie would do that but she did and she did a good job and I think it was the next day on that trip they asked for volunteers to do another devotion to a different group and Maggie volunteered and suddenly she was transformed into this fairly bold person who was praying aloud in front of people and giving talks and uh, talking to people about their faith Now, I've seen this happen with others on mission trips. And they go on the mission trip and they transform into this person who's bold and shares their faith and prays in front of groups. And when they come home, they transform back into the person who really doesn't want to pray aloud and uh, is shy about sharing their faith. But that's not what happened to my friend Maggie. She came home and she suddenly became bolder in talking to people and being out there with her faith. And She has been on several missions trips since that trip. And right this minute, she is overseas on a nine-month trip where she's working with an organization to help end human trafficking in the country that she's in. And, And while she's there, she's using her social media presence to invite people here to this building, to the landing, even though she's thousands of miles away. So how about you? Will you spread the word? I mean, you can join us for a missions trip in 2018 or 2019, and that would be awesome. But how about being a missionary here? How about spreading the word on the mission field that God has placed you in every day of your life? 
You see, he wants to use you to influence people right where you live, people who are in your line of sight. And remember, when you hear that church word or that Bible word gospel, it just means good news. Look at this passage written by a man named Paul. Paul didn't believe in Jesus for a very long time, but when he came to believe in Jesus, he became one of the people who boldly shared his faith and, uh, in, to a lot of people and uh, people far away. Here's what he says, I am not ashamed of the good news because it is the power God uses to save everyone who believes. The truth is, Everything about Jesus coming at Christmas time, everything about Jesus coming to earth is good news. Even that part about him dying a cruel death on that cross is good news. You see, it's good news because it is what has the power to save me from my sin and from my hopelessness and from my discouragement and from the meaningless of, meaninglessness of this life. And it's good news because it has the power to take everyone who believes and rescue them from eternal condemnation and give to them eternal joy. But if you've been here long, you know I always have to pause and remind you of a sobering fact. And here it is. The good news is only good news if it gets there on time. The good news is only good news if it gets there on time. The, the story of Jesus will only save those who believe in him and respond to him if the good news gets to them on time. Your friends and your family members will only benefit from Jesus coming at Christmas time if they hear and embrace and believe the good news. And spreading good news really isn't that hard. All you have to do is invite them to church with you. I mean, let them know the way Jesus has changed you and how much you love coming here and then just to invite them with you to a service. And if you think your friend is so far from God that inviting them to a service would be the wrong thing to do to start, why don't you just invite them here to the landing with you during the week? I mean, you can schedule a play date with your kids and their kids or just invite them to lunch or coffee in the cafe. And eventually when they hang out here for a while, they're going to begin to wonder and they may ask you what kind of a church gives the community a multi-million dollar community center. So I want you to pause right now and ask yourself, who in your line of sight needs an invitation? Would you write down about three names? The people in your line of sight are the people that you see all the time. It could be your coworkers. It could be your neighbors. It could be servers at your favorite restaurant. It could be any number of people. They're the people that you meet most days. So write down about three names of people who need an invitation. Now let me ask you, will you commit yourself to inviting those people either to a service at Impact or to spend time with you at the landing between now and Easter, which is April 1st. Remember, the good news is only good news if it gets there on time. And a few of you might be thinking, you know, I'm not sure that I really have anyone in my line of sight who isn't already a believer in Jesus. Well, if that's the case, you need to meet more people. 
And so let me encourage you to sign up to be a host here at the landing during the week. And if you do, you will meet some new people. Our hosts are just friendly faces. You just say hello to people and you answer their questions and you might uh, offer to give them a tour if they want one. And we can train you to do it, but we still need more hosts. And if you're interested, you can just write the word host on your welcome card and put it in the offering bag later on in the service. So here we are. We're about to end this message. We're about to end this series. And with that, we will finish our message schedule for 2017. Now, please hear this message clearly. Whether you are glad Christmas and 2017 are almost over or whether you're a little sad about it, please don't put Jesus away with the decorations because he is a gift for every day. He is something you need every day and he will be with you every day as we enter the new year. Listen to what a preacher and author named Chuck Swindoll says. When the wrappings and ribbons are in the trash can and the manger scene is back in the attic and the friends and family have said goodbye and the house feels empty and so do you, there is one who waits to fill your heart and renew your hope. His name is Jesus. He was there on December 24th and he will be there on December 26th. Let me pray for you as we close. Heavenly Father, in this room right now, there are people in all sorts of circumstances with all sorts of needs and hurts and joys. Father, there are people who have really struggled this year. This, they've hurt. They've had all sorts of changes and pain in their life. And Father, right now, they just need to feel your comfort. They need to feel your hope. They need to have you renew their strength. And so, Father, I ask right now that you do that. Father, there are others here who, uh, they're doing great. Life is going well. And yet, Father, maybe they've just kind of been coasting in their relationship with you spiritually. They, it's been a part of their life, just not a crucial part of their life. And Father, I pray right now that you would shake them out of uh, that complacency. I pray, Father, that you will show them that you have steps that you want them to take. Father, I pray that each one of us will not put Jesus away, but that he will be a part of our everyday life, that we will trust him more that we'll depend on him more, that we'll follow him more fully. Father, I pray that you will help us not to rush past the important moments of our life. And Father, I pray that you will give us the courage to let you love us, but also to let you love others through us as we spread the word, as we invite people in our line of sight. And Father, right now, we dedicate ourselves as individuals and our church to you, we dedicate this coming year, 2018, to your glory. We pray, Father, by this time next year, each one of us can look back and see how we've taken the next steps, how we've grown closer to you. We pray, Father, that we can look back and give you glory for how you've worked in our lives and in our church. And we pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.